It is a period of civil discourse. Fans of the Mission to Zix podcast have banded together to devote even more time to the Mission to Zix podcast by talking about it in a long-format fan podcast. This is the Zix Fancast. Welcome to the Zix Fancast, where we will be talking about episodes of the wonderful science fiction podcast, Mission to Zix. We're your hosts, Brandon. And Rebecca. With our very special guest, Seth Lind. Hello. Happy to be here. Hey, we're very happy to have you here. Uh, Thank you for having me. I, look, we finally found the right necessary amount of bribery and intimidation to get you on. I know. (laughs) I'm glad we finally cracked that code. I feel like I, I would tell the listeners what you sent me in order to make this happen, but... It, um, I don't think there were any, anything I, in there was legal in any of the countries uh, we were yeah, recording I would, from. I wouldn't cheapen, I wouldn't cheapen the blackmail or the, uh, items. So, Fair. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we don't want to like make it so that we have to send the same thing to everybody to, to do once, you know, we finally can get Mujan oh, on here. I assume you didn't send anybody anything or I wouldn't have agreed. Oh, uh, no, nobody, <laughs> nobody else got anything. Okay. okay. Great. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyways, <laughs> in this episode, we are going to be talking to Seth about Zix and just myriad of other things. Yeah. Uh, political opinion. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, Becca, why don't you start us off? Yeah, well, we're going to start off with a listener question from Michelle. How are you doing, bud? The question is, how are you doing, bud? Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is what Michelle wants to know. Awesome. I'm all right. I feel pretty good. Yeah, I feel like I should come up with a really specific <laughs> answer. Um, I just came back from a movie theater, oh which I gosh. haven't been in in a long time. Oh. And uh, my kid, who's two and a half, has never sat through anything longer than like 45 minutes at home. Oof. And he mis- magically sat there enthralled for an hour and a half wow. up until just before the climax of the movie when he asked to leave. <gasps> and so, oh, no. We'll never know the end of Sing 2. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, that honestly, for, for toddlers, that sounds pretty good. So good job on that. Yeah, we were very surprised. We were like, okay, we're about to spend $30 to maybe be inside a room for 10 minutes. But uh, but it panned out. So yeah, living, living the dream. <laughs> yep. Uh, my just over two-year-old is... Uh... He's he we we can put him in what we call the magical trance with uh cocoa melon. That's what it is. So oh, the accursed. Yeah, that's yeah. oh boy, yeah. That, we call it we the haven't, accursed. Uh, don't. Yeah, that's a that's a rough one. I mean, there are worse, but still. <laughs> that's true. It's true. It's called Blippy. Oh, yep, that is worse. Uh <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh once he figured out how to use the remote and start Netflix, it was over. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Uh, th- wow. He learned way too early and also too early to skip ads on YouTube. Anyways, that's, I'm, I'm pivoting a little bit, but yeah. Oh no, the ad model is going to die. Oh no. Toddlers can skip ads. Yeah. <laughs> They're learning. They're adapting <laughs> to defeat us. Anyways, uh, yeah. So uh, let's go right into... Uh, why don't we talk about a little bit, uh, like, what's your background with like improv, comedy? So I, did, I started improv comedy after college, after moving to New York City. Um, So I first took a class at UCB in 2003, and I was, by my estimation, very bad. Oh. Um, And I did not take another class for four years. Um, And then I I started up, and and at that point, didn't stop. So yeah, it might have been 2002 and 2006. So, um, And just kept going in 2006. Pretty soon after, met Jeremy Bent, and joined a team called Thank You Robot that still performs in New York City and uh, along with other people um, who have been on Zix, um, Matt Little, Chris Scott, and um, uh, John Robert Wilson. Yeah. Uh, and also a woman named Casey Savage who uh, who hasn't been on Zix but is on Thank You Robot. Mm. So just performing shows there, do, taking UCB classes for years and years. And then um, Jeremy was the one who he had already connected with Alden and Winston about 
maybe starting a podcast and he's the one who reached out to me and was like, Hey, you work on podcasts. Um, maybe you want to make this thing with us. Yeah. So I know that you work at NPR. I know there are there any other like podcasts you worked on. You want us to be like aware of that? Like, I... no. So I, yeah, I've worked at this American life as the operations director for nice. like 15 years. And, um, so Zix was, you know, kind of a confluence of the day job and the night <laughs> non-job of, of audio meets comedy. And I had done, I had done a decent amount of audio editing for like non-podcast projects. Like I hosted a live storytelling show for a long time and I would, I would sometimes like do interviews and edit them down into short clips that ran like just as audio in the okay. dark between stories. Um, I did a little bit of it, just my own animation where I would do the sound edit for those and some filmmaking editing sound. So when I first moved to New York, I was doing a master's program at the new school in, in media studies. And mostly what I was doing was short radio okay. style documentaries. So I did all the editing for that. And I've always I've always loved audio editing because it's unlike film editing. The cuts can be inaudible. And so you can you just have so much more freedom in editing to have things flow from one thing to another to cut things out and move them around without it really being noticeable compared to film where every edit is is visible. Yeah. And so I yeah, I w became one of the editors on on Mission to Zix sort of de facto from having those skills. So that's the reason they asked you to, to join us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think they were like, uh, we wish he was funnier, but he does know audio. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Becca, you want to ask the next? Yeah. Are there any specific projects of yours that you would like to, us to be aware of, or are there any in particular that you're especially proud of? Let's see. I yeah, there. I mean, there are a couple things that I've I've done that I've been proud of. One project that I I was really pleased with how it turned out was an episode of the podcast The Truth, mm. um, which uh, was actually it was commissioned by. All Things Considered, the National Public Radio news program, though the truth is a fiction podcast. And what? Uh, this one I didn't edit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. How dare they call it that? Um, it's almost like it's purposefully uh. ironic. Uh, so they, they're they a fiction podcast that's really tends to be like very sound designed. And um, this was an episode for Christmas called Naughty or Nice and it's about an elf who becomes a whistleblower against Santa. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, because he's like in the pocket of the coal lobby. That's incredible. And, oh, um, gosh. Wait, Santa is? Santa oh, is, yeah. There's like a scheme where um, they're like deciding that more kids are naughty than they really are so that they can oh. uh, use more coal. And coal is cheaper than presents. Oh, embezzlement. So, there we go. Um, gosh. And uh I co-wrote it with uh, Jonathan Mitchell, who's the producer of The Truth, and then I played the elf spark. That's um, amazing, and it was really fun. and um, And it's one of those one of those things where I can listen back to it and be like, "Hey, that's actually uh, that was actually good." Um, <laughs> and if we want to check that out, it's at npr.org/elves. Awesome. Is that on the main The Truth uh, podcast feed as well? Yeah, I believe they did. Uh, yeah, I think they put it into their own feed as well. Right. That's awesome. I think. <laughs> Yeah, 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 they did. I remember now. Um, <laughs> and I think All Things Considered has aired it a couple times since it was commissioned years ago because it's sort of evergreen since it's not real. <laughs> Though Santa, Santa, of course, is real. But the, this was a fictional, fictionalization. And the coal lobby, of course, doesn't exist. So uh... <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh. Um, another project I did that was fun and kind of crazy was called Cast Party, which was a stage show beamed into movie theaters live. Um, and it was oh, cool. it was a it was like five different podcasts performing short segments uh, on stage. And then I produced it and hosted it. I had produced a couple like This American Life stage shows that were beamed into movie theaters. So I sort of knew how that apparatus worked. And it was a just mammoth project that I can't I can imagine really fathom taking on again as a side project from work. Um, wow. oh, 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 uh, that does not sound like a side project. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, um, it had, uh, radio lab invisibilia, the truth, uh, Jeremy Bent actually wrote a piece for the truth. Uh, they performed it in the show and he acted in it along with a bunch of other comedians and reply all, 
and um, Lauren Lapkus's show. Lauren Lapkus, who would, who would go on to guest on Zix, but she has a podcast called With Special Guest Lauren Lapkus, yeah. where the guest... Have you, have you heard I've this? I've heard about this, yeah. Um, the, the guest each time pre- pretends that they like host a radio show, and then Lauren is the guest on that show, but they don't know... She doesn't know what it is going into it. Hey. So, um, And Bobby Moynihan from SNL was the her quote host for that episode (laughs) um so that was really fun but it was just like you know it was insane i was raising money and for it and sponsorship and and writing it and just doing way too much stuff for it and afterwards dealing with theaters yeah like thankfully i had some a production company that was sort of the liaison with the theaters that 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 part of it was handled but um, and I remember being backstage and a friend texted me from a theater in Dayton, Ohio, saying like the sounds out of sync. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> no. I can't, like I'm about to go on stage. Hey, <laughs> I shouldn't have had my phone on, but I'm about to like step out and host this thing. Great. Um, thank you. Thank you for that. And, uh, <laughs> and it, I remember someone saying, so what are you going to do for the next one? And I'm like, oh, I'm absolutely not doing this again. Uh, nothing. <laughs> like, thank you. I feel like we lucked out that it was successful, but I by no means think that we should try it again yeah i was um, gonna say that that sounds like oh yeah you can have uh live shows that way and i'm like no no now it doesn't like that actually sounds like a nightmare <laughs> yeah and i think it was hard to like find shows where like and the kind of like business model of it was each of the shows was would promote it on their podcast feeds and then they would get like a cut of ticket sales so they kind of had to be sort of big shows but also like every one of these shows tends to be an hour on their own so how do you make it so a bunch of them can be in there and do short things where it still feels like it's their show But it was very fun because I had no one telling me like what could be in it. And so I commissioned these little like sketch comedy videos about podcasts that ran between them. Um, That's actually the first time I met Zach Cherry was he was in one of those um, comedy videos. And also these um, comedians who are dancers who I love who are called Cocoon Central Dance Team did dances. Uh, Apologies if you hear my toddler in the background. He's um, (laughs) probably going to start talking about how he doesn't want to nap. Uh, that's um, fair. Uh, yeah, relatable. Fair. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, those are two projects. That's called Cast Party. It 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 was up on Netflix for a long time. I don't know if it still is actually. So there might not be a way to see that. <laughs> but but <laughs> you can you can look at pictures up from it on my website. Okay. Um, uh, or maybe it's still on Netflix. I don't know. And uh, yeah, those are a couple of things that I that I did that I was proud of. All right. Uh, you mentioned you met uh, a lot of the people like in Thank You Robot. Um, did you meet pretty much everyone else in Zix through the show? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I, you know, when Jeremy said who was doing it, Winston, Winston, I knew. Um, Winston and I had taken this really crazy improv class together where we both sort of felt like the best improv scene we had ever done was in this class for like 10 people watching and no one else saw it. It was, if I'm not mistaken, it was a reverse Herald where, so the Herald structure of improv is like unrelated scenes that kind of culminate in this massive sort of like fusion of all the different scenes. And you're like, oh, this was all taking place in the (laughs) same world. And in a reverse Herald, you do that thing, which means you're inventing all this stuff that you don't know what it is. And then you're reverse engineering (laughs) it back into, it's like, it's like a bunch of stuff uh, that sounds like references. And then you're like, we got to figure out how to reference it. Yeah, you just have to like essentially say kind of like, anything and then you need to make sense of it later that was it was either that or it might have been simpler might have been just a two-person herald where you're playing every character so you're constantly switching perspectives and stuff in any case we both were like whoa that's the best thing we've ever done and (laughs) we uh there's not really an audience um and uh so winston i knew from that and uh jeremy i of course knew Alden and um, Mujan and Ali, I sort of knew from just like seeing people tagging them on Facebook and shows or seeing them on stage, but didn't like hadn't. So in like your general community Um, sort of situation. Yeah, just this kind of like uh, hazy UCB world. Although it was funny because I Alden, I was like, why do I know that name? And I realized that I looked back and I had hired him five years earlier to photograph a show for This American Life. (laughs) We were doing we're staging a comedy show to like have a christmas comedy episode and at one point i just like replied to that email chain from five years before from my work email (laughs) saying like hey we never got this thing from you (laughs) like um uh, yeah or maybe i maybe it's just like i knew you sounded familiar ford 
Um, <laughs> so our paths had crossed, though we both uh, wiped each other from our memory. <laughs> you owe me a lot of croon. <laughs> you owe me a lot of croon. Yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. kind of just like a sort of like a game of telephone with how the cast came together. I think it was like first, I think it might have been jeremy and alden who had just started watching like listening to magic tavern and we're like oh man why didn't we think of this idea we got to do something like it that doesn't feel too much like we're stealing it and (laughs) like oh let's do outer space and then i think winston and alden already had a podcast that was about music that was desperately (laughs) unpopular tragically yes and then yeah and then they called me and then we and then it was they were people were just sort of like who are the people you'd most want to work with and not imagining everyone would say yes, but then the first people we asked or they asked were um, Mujan and Ali, and they both were in. So we're like, oh, that feels like a good cast. Hey. And then Shane was the uh, sound engineer assigned to us at the studio we rented. Um, yeah, and he, yeah, and he just popped on. We had never met him. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, he was kind of like, uh, yeah. guys, do you have a sound designer? And, we're, and at that point, Alden and I were just going to do the sound design pretty badly or <laughs> probably would have thought it was good enough and then it turns out that he is a lover of comedy a huge sci-fi fan and though he hadn't technically done sound design obviously very skilled at that somehow hmm. um so uh yeah speaking of did was there anyone else that you had asked that you know came back to you later and said oh yeah actually i want to do this and you were like oh sorry we're all full sorry we, <laughs> we actually we, we regretted asking you and we're glad that you didn't say <laughs> <Yeah>. yes <laughs> mm-hmm uh no there was no there was not a single person who who he asked that either didn't get back to us or couldn't do it or anything it was just the like first first group that first um, y'all, y'all got your yeah. first pick congealed yeah exactly <laughs> all right um yeah going back to talking about zix um was mm-hmm. nermit your like your immediate pick so what was your your pitch and how did you come up with nermit yeah the way we made the characters was as kind of fortuitous slash non-planned as the cast itself (laughs) in that like we just we had one meeting and we we had the kind of concept at that point the crew were going to be called surveyors Mm -hmm. and not ambassadors because it was kind of gonna the idea was a little bit more like tell us about your strange planet um but later on we we felt that that was kind of passive and led to like just kind of conversations and questions which aren't necessarily the best uh improv so so we thought ambassador was both sounded more active and could kind of encompass any kind of mission um not just like we're trying to learn about you in any case so we knew that there was going to be like a surveyor who is going to be the kind of audience surrogate and that became the role of ambassador and uh and we were all kind of sitting there like uh and alden's like okay i'll play that guy and then (laughs) um and then we just like picked we i mean we weren't even like okay there needs to be a this a this and a this and a this um i think Jeremy's kind of like, well, there's, there should be a droid, right? Like, I'll play the droid. And I was like, you absolutely should, yeah. since you, Jeremy is a like kind of walking, you know, encyclopedia in a way. <laughs> and um, and I don't know. And uh, yeah, and then Allie's like, I want to play like a giant omnisexual like, <laughs> like beast. And I was like, like, okay, cool. And then Bargy was going to play the ship. Like, all we knew, she's like, I'll play the ship. And then Winston, and I don't know if it was just like, felt like, oh, that's enough cooks, Winston, or if he didn't necessarily want to commit to like a you know like a recurring bed he's like i'll just play everyone else um and he th- i think he pitched the clints at that point like like it'd be fun to play stupid clones who all think they're <laughs> smarter than the others <laughs> but they we knew they weren't gonna be in other episodes so for you know for the first two seasons he played most of the walk-on characters yeah. which were also typically responsible for moving the plot forward <laughs> like we get to a planet and we're just kind of like dawdling around. Hattie, you know, I'm doing an interview here. Oh, this dog is rattling well, Hattie, we have collar. some questions for Hattie as well. Oh, yeah. Well, she... Hattie, I'm going to take your collar off. She, um, she is in the show, actually. Her, um, sort of weird morning, like, yowl yawn was the basis of the tornado sounds. Oh, that's really cool. In, um, so she's, yeah, she didn't let it go to her head since she doesn't uh, yeah. know. What was I talking about? So, yeah, the, and, and so basically, like, we just said, okay, we know what we are. Like, everyone write a paragraph long. Um, oh, and I, and I, I, and I think at that point I said, like, I'll be their kind of, like, low-level missions guy because it seemed sort of like, oh, there's not really like having too many people sort of all in the same scenes seemed hard. And, okay. and then we just each wrote a paragraph in a Google doc of our, of our bio. And there was no like, 
oh, that seems cool, but what if this? We just all just separately decided their characteristics. And then the first time we recorded, we just started improvising as them. And I remember I had no idea Mujan was going to play Barji with my <laughs> so like that. I was like, it was like, and and that she was going to, it's like, oh, and she's an actor. And we're like, okay. <laughs> sure, <laughs> no questions. Wow. Sure. No que- I, have, I have no questions, Your Honor. <laughs> so we, we just all, and I think that is one of the things that made the show end up working from like a cast and char- like character chemistry point was that everyone was choosing what they wanted it to be as opposed to feeling like something was being like thrust on them or they're being cast sure. in a role that exists in terms of like longevity like we're all used to being cast as something but i think just the simple fact that we could like make it up on the spot meant that a certain amount of our real personality was in the character or at least something we we glom onto okay and personally with nermit like I am a person who does creative work, likes doing creative work, but my day job is in operations. And so uh-huh. the bulk of that is kind of like being behind the scenes of this thing that's very public. And I feel like because I get my creative yayas out elsewhere, <laughs> I don't have like a lot of angst about that. But I but it made me think of a character who's like kind of in the <laughs> shadows. And like in the very beginning, I think one thing in my pitch for him was he would really, really love to be an ambassador, but his stomach can't handle space travel. <laughs> yeah. And I think that maybe line even is in the show early on. But it was so it's like he has this like thing where like, I wish I could do that, but I, I can't. And so he but the his basic sort of just like striving and wishing that he was important. Uh, is there so i think that was just kind of like um kind of like yes sanding my own role if i were more frustrated with it (laughs) i mean to be perfectly honest nermit would like to me if it it wouldn't be that much of a pivot if nermit then started a podcast so you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally like you could definitely see that yeah, he, when he realizes what his singing voice sounds yep. like. He's like, and let he's me like, just... Oh, maybe, uh, you know what? Maybe I'm more of a voice I'm going to start a podcast a called Hear guy. Me Out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned that like it's a little bit of like you in this. Do you, do you usually have like kind of like an improv archetype as it's kind of been described like to me? Like, uh, is it usually Nermit-ish, the kind of characters you play? Um, No, not per se. I mean, my favorite type of improv is deeply sad <laughs> like oh. i love when something is funny and you just go oh oh and so i so like the, the degree that he his he's kind of tragic where he'll be like yeah no it's fine i mean my you know like when he would kind of like brush off obvious slights or whatever or it's clear he's being you know going to be executed and not promoted he can tell oh. himself like, no no I'm, I'm sure it's, it's fine. fine like i it's going to be fine. Like, we just did a Thank You Robot show the other day, and um, I guess now the other day, two months ago, what is time? Um, <laughs> but uh, Matt Little sat down and started a scene. Matt Little, a.k.a. Phoenix Ash, um, sat down and, and started a scene where he, we were just sort of playing video games. And the first thing that popped in my head was, Dad, I don't care what Mom says. I, I think you're going to get a job soon. <laughs> oh. And everyone's just like, Oh, okay. <laughs> but also it's funny. It's like it it leads into what mm. is a com- comedic scene, but my um but my wife sometimes jokes like when she comes to an improv show, she's like, "Wow, you really don't care if they laugh. You just want it to be really sad." <laughs> like, like sometimes. I'll just do Number 1, sad. Um, Number 2, if yeah, they laugh, I, sure. I, yeah, yeah, it's like if I can have both, but I think that's um I don't know why that's my favorite. I think it's I think it like often just makes it feel real because if something's genuinely sad, it means you can imagine it happening. It's not just like, oh, a meteor fell on the baby. Um <laughs> yeah, you know, like... like so so I think that sometimes is a stand in for it feeling like true or honest. So um we did this thing as thank you about used to um practice every week with a with a coach sometimes a coach would stay with us for like a year where we're doing three hours of improv just for this one person in the room and then we might do a show like once every month so it was like the amount we were just doing sort of reps for ourselves was way higher than any performance and then it eventually flipped where we weren't practicing at all and we were just doing monthly shows but i remember one practice the coach i believe it was Dominic Dirkus, who is now a TV writer, he said, okay, you're going to do a regular Herald, but you're going to perform as each other. 
And it's like, so you're going to perform, Matt, you're going to perform as Seth, you're going to perform mm. like, uh, Seth, you're going to perform as Chris. And it was interesting because like you're trying to do improv like normal and have it be funny and make sense. And you're also trying to convey the other people's moves. And I, and I remember watching other people improvise with me just sort of like, and the things they seem to be trying, like they seem to be trying to make like smart moves, but also weird moves. So I, I don't know what, I don't think I fall into one of those archetypes of like, uh, the like robot ninja <laughs> pirate, which are like the mm. um, some people think improvisers fall into those roles where like oh, interesting robots are the kind of like brainy. Not to put too fine, find a point on it, but like Jeremy, like super brainy, can play often play straight men. They're often like so funny because they'll just ground a scene and what the absurd thing so quickly. Ninjas tend to be like they're not necessarily on stage that much, but they come in with these like s- these total moves that are just like zap. Which I think Ali tends to do that like she has so many black outlines as dar in scenes that maybe dar was not super present in and then there are pirates which are like chaos makers which definitely mujan tends to be uh in bar like that's another reason my bargy has so many black outlines where you were like well we can't go anywhere from there like that just has to be where it's like you know where the, where it's just like you know where it's just like ed norton's here or whatever you're like okay it's like you know we're not like whatever like so um i don't think i think i tend to be a little bit more of a designated hitter and do various things yeah sure. and and when i say like they i would think they were trying to do smart moves it's more like that by that i mean like they were doing sort of a combination of like robot and um uh i don't think i tend to do chaos so i think i'd be like a robot <laughs> okay sense. well that's pretty awesome uh, now you have to add a robot ninja to zix and uh <laughs> 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 those are the three factions robot ninja and pirate and yeah. also fresh and whack yeah exactly all right so cool. um do you have like a favorite like moment from doing the show i know it's a little bit of a pivot but um yeah. you know is there anything you remember like really like this is great <laughs> A few things. I mean, one one thing that there was a moment after we made the uh, we recorded two pilots, and one of them was the Zwag Tambui episode, hmm. and one we ended up not using because we were just still sort of figuring out what the show was. And um, then we recorded what would become episode one. And I remember after getting those in the can, like this moment of oh wait, this I think this might be working. <laughs> in a way that was very surprising because like most things don't or certainly don't don't or certainly like take a lot longer to like figure out and and I just thought like oh we had this idea for a thing and it seems like it actually was a good idea and it was um it was very surprising and cool because it felt like oh we can keep making this and then so that was one exciting moment and then there was another moment where i just was like losing my mind not as much as alden but just in terms of the comedy when we had josh Patton on when we had the maganac and and that was like winston and josh Patton had performed on a team together for so long so they had this like rapport where like they would i think they would sometimes just like do scenes like this where they would just <laughs> get into these loops or or just like where What's they had like an, an insane amount of patience which like maybe they're just like i don't care if the audience is on board for this but, <laughs> but this then is for us <laughs> yeah and then all in was just like like they they did probably like seven go rounds of this thing that i think maybe three of which are in the edit and alden was just crying <laughs> falling out of his chair begging them to stop um because he couldn't handle it and and i was just like okay this is fun this is going to be a fun moment in what was honestly like kind of a like a bit of a slow episode where we didn't really like figure out what it was um in the meat of the episode to be totally honest and then to have this like just this scene at the end and that made me realize like oh you can just like you could find your way well it's like okay we were worried about sound design and characters and the arc of the story of each episode and continuity and it's like oh you we also should just have moments of pure just pure absurdity that (laughs) belong in there obviously and that's a dumb thing to say because it's like oh yeah of course we should have funny moments but i think like that i was also so like envious of the improv where just like it was such a simple like the best improv is so simple like the game is so so simple and specific and you're just committed to it and so to watch that too i'm just like they're literally just repeating the same words that's all they're doing and it's so funny and um and then there was another moment when in the zach cherry episode where we finished recording that and we were all like oh that's like what this show can be that was the first i think that was the first episode where it felt like everything we hoped for was in it 
in that like it was a parody of existing sci-fi properties and tropes but it was also like turning it totally on its head it was like a really original performance and like all the all of our characters got to do fun things and it had this specific game about like how bounty hunting is actually really boring and (laughs) um and it it felt like it had all the things that we not that we had mapped out like a checklist but i think after that we're like oh this is what the show does as at its best and so we kind of had a slight map for what it could be and that was that was exciting okay (laughs) so yeah who was your favorite guest to have on the show or are you not allowed to say favorites i feel like i'd be allowed to i don't think i have one at the ready i mean (laughs) a a recent favorite and this is less this is even less about like i love the episode she's in but it's it was more just sort of like a fanboy thing because i really like the righteous gemstones and particularly her character in it so having Edie patterson on which was also the fruits of having hired a booker for this last season where um, most of our guests in season five still came through our own connections, but a handful, like four or five came through a booker where we just sent a list of people. We'd be like, we don't know these people, but we'd love to work with them. And she was game. So it's like, she's such, she's so funny. So just to see, to get to improvise with her was so fun and it was also the episode where i think we had to cut out the most blue stuff (laughs) because she just i think maybe it's because i think she was shooting gemstones at that time and her character in that is so dirty like it's like or they write the like dirtiest stuff for her character it seems and so we're just like okay that's getting cut like (laughs) um, not like just because it like went a little bit beyond our own like we try to have it be like a sexy like not sexy but like sex positive yeah um but at the the same time like not dwell on that but um but and and then she was so funny as like she does that amazing apple talk style voice and there there are a couple moments in that episode where she's like where the moment where she's like basically playing sort of like a teenage like essentially like a her ship is female but and she is the ship and she's trying to get the crew to like lay down on her bed in this like total creepy like it's fine just like go let me give it you want a back rub and then when the crew's like no thanks like she's like fine never mind i don't care like this this sort of fine, hurt, never mind. hurt bro who was trying to be creepy but failed and um oh, i'm just God. like oh that's so funny so that that was um that was a really like a recent favorite Early on, Paul F. Tompkins was was really fun because we didn't know him personally, and we just like emailed. I don't even know how we got his email. I think you just <laughs> say the word podcast three times in a mirror, and he shows up. And he he shows up. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I saw a, tw- a tweet that was like, "Paul F. Tompkins never says no to being on a podcast. Why don't you come be on my like podcast that has ten listeners?" And he tweeted back, "No." Um, but uh, but yeah, he um, he was in New York and he was game, and that was a delight to be in the room with him as he's trying to like not audibly crack up. Um, (laughs) I mean, he's doing a Christmas sci-fi parody. So like, (laughs) yeah, that's especially tough. You guys corpsing is my favorite part of the whole show. So I'm too, I am glad when you leave those in. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. I said, I said to Alden the other day, I was like, we put out an episode. I was like, have we gone too far? Have we left in too much laughing? And he was like, he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I think it's the right choice. I'm like, okay, phew. Because no, it really was me who like initially, because some of it is anxiety, like, will they know it's funny if we're not laughing? Um, and Wow. If a tree falls in the forest, <laughs> is it improv? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only if another tree falls louder immediately. <laughs> oh, man. Uh so Nermit has this weird, like weirdly unique status as being the most like clear as to what he looks like and does and everything like that. Like, yeah. When did you decide to start doing that? Or did, was it just like, no, I'm just going to keep going. I don't think I totally understand. You mean just like keep going with his, the physical description of him? Yeah. Like we have such a clear, like we know he exactly <laughs> how tall he is. We yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, that he's well, a lizard funny bird. It, it originated from the reverse because if you listen for many episodes and maybe it's not a huge number, but, but like at this point we realized we had never described him and he's never been in the same room as the crew Oh. So like he could be any size and Alden, I think texted me saying, 
I remember being on a bus and I got a text like, he's like, wouldn't it be funny if Nermit is like a little salamander or something? <laughs> and, and I thought that was so funny. And then I wrote back like, can he be halfway evolved into a bird? Because that's just like another pathetic, <laughs> like anything that's pathetic and sad, like <laughs> Nermit should We're almost be. there, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're there. I got So um, we felt like it was kind of late and we're like, yes, he can be. Because there's some early Nermit fan art that think maybe you can find on her instagram where he just looks like this weird little alien because we had never described him as i guess so um but in any case were we specifically trying to describe him more i mean i think maybe because he is a character who for the first several seasons largely appeared on screen he would maybe get described more because that would could lead to like some sad thing happening to him. Like, hey, Nermit, I like your shirt, and it's like, oh yeah, this is my punishment shirt. Oh um, god, oh you yeah, know, that... and that's that's oh. less about his like his physical appearance than just some some specific that like I think Dar bestowed on him. But um, yeah, I don't know if there was any drive in particular to describe him in detail. But I like, I really like that it's like vague enough that the fan art can be pretty different still. <laughs> um, so there's some very cool different takes on Nermit. I like how because he's not in the room, it sort of naturally sets up like a B plot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm doing my own thing, guys. <laughs> yeah. You got your stuff, I've got mine. Yeah. And early on, I would kind of feel pressure to to like, okay, if I want Nermit to do something, like I, it's, it has to happen in these like really short scenes that are disconnected. But mm-hmm. so I liked the Tornada arc. That one was fun because he was always <laughs> just like, no, it's fine. I think it's, I'm, it's, it's fine. fine. I'm, I'm in its stomach. I was not eaten. I was swallowed. They're going to obey the contract. So <laughs> yeah. The, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of the, like, I'm like, like, for a moment, I was just like, is Narbert gonna, like, be a ghost or something? Like, what are they gonna do here? Like, Oh, that was another piece of fan art, which was like a cross-section of the tornado with Nermit in the belly that I... <laughs> oh my god, I haven't seen that one. I need to see that. Yeah. And then, like, will they know that he shot Dale was a fun oh, yeah. plot in, what is that, season four? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So um, how does the pitch process work for when you guys are doing live shows? Oh, live shows. Interesting. I mean, I guess regular shows too, but like, yeah. Sure. Well, live shows, it's funny because Shane is typically like, guys, can, do you have any idea what the location is going to be? Like, because he can't, like, he needs <laughs> to figure out am- ambiences. It's like, is this going to be on a desert planet, a wet planet? Are we going to be in a bar? And we are kind of like, yeah, we'll let you know. <laughs> and we figure it out backstage right before the show with the guest oh, no. a few times we've oh boy. Um, i think a few times we've had like a more specific idea but um when it's returning characters like the last brooklyn show we definitely just figured it out right before going on <laughs> just like enough to have like uh i think bujan was like would a dinner party be fun we're like great and it's like hey where's mission hey. six <laughs> like so um <laughs> when they're not live shows they tend to be more or when it's a new character, they tend to be more fleshed out. Like when Drew Drew Johnston played General Almost, um, hmm. that was a new character. So it was like, I want a guy, like I want to play a guy who's clearly like a robot who doesn't know he is. <laughs> In any case, the the pitch process for the studio episodes, studio of course being all of us are recording in our bedrooms alone um (laughs) is tends to be more elaborate where the guests will pitch anywhere between one and like five ideas and we will choose one sometimes in advance sometimes just with them on the beginning of the zoom call where we're like we really like this one you cool with that and here's how we think we could fold it into the plot at this certain point occasionally people are just like i'll do i'll do whatever let me know and um we're like, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, some of them seem like they're like, oh, yeah, that I've definitely remembered that from like Star Trek. And some of them is just like, wow, really? <laughs> yeah. And we've, and we try to tell people like, you don't have, it doesn't have to be in any way related to sci fi. Like the setting and the other characters will make it that regardless. Like it can just be a character game. One of our favorite season four episodes with Timothy Dunn, the drama not found, like he's just, it's just a parody of, reality tv yeah (laughs) there's nothing particularly sci-fi about it and that's some of our some of our most fun episodes where you're just playing something that's because then it's you know the game tends to be more relatable if it's if it's not just like a tweak on a particular trope yeah are there any um sci-fi tropes that you wish you had had a chance to do um 
I, you know, I, I would have, uh, I would have loved to do a body swap episode. Yes. <laughs> um, that would be, that would have been fun. I don't know. Maybe that's something to do for like a live show after the show's over. Yes. That would Ooh. be fun. Especially if we can't find a guest. <laughs> Which, mm. um, uh, <laughs> or we could have two returning guests who swap as their, uh, as them too. You have like, oh, that'd oh, be fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. But, uh, I would love to play the grower mind, make JR play Nermit. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think some some tropes that aren't like hard sci-fi, like I think like a sort of like Indiana Jones thing. <laughs> um, oh, would have been pretty cool. Like some whatever. I don't even know what you call that genre. Romantic action. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> I would love that because it would probably end up with them finding out they were actually just like in an escape room. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, wait, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually brought the reflectorium along. <laughs> <Whoop>. <laughs> You've all been working for Autisoft. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, guys, none of this is real. Yeah. God, it's crazy this season started so different than it's ended. Yeah. I was going to say, like, the other galaxy. Wham, like halfway through the season, but you know. Yeah. Also, like, speaking of like the recent kind of developments, like, how has becoming a parent during the process of making the show affected how you approach the podcast? Because, like, it really seems like parenting kind of snuck its way into Mission to Zix completely. Oh, that's funny. It's super weird for me because I also became a parent during the run of this podcast. And so, you know. I mean, honestly, the thing it's had the biggest effect on is just our ability to make the show <laughs> and oh. so it's like it's like i think the bi-weekly thing which started with covid i mean i can't looking back i'm like how did we do this weekly like it doesn't seem fathomable oh. that the show came out every week and so that's been the biggest thing it's interesting is like the the um dar pregnancy predated us actually having kids because hmm. i know that my newborn like i recorded him i didn't record them for this but i had them recorded like some cries from his like first days as the like when horse hat and yeah of Bino were birthed so i think that was partly just like ali having an idea for something that like would be this interesting step for dar who's this nihilistic character to like have something that they really obviously care about but i think this is kind of something that we have maybe always shied away from but like sometimes in when we're doing pickups like I'll try to soften things like, and they're going, you murdered all those people. Like, and like, it just like anything like that just is way harsher when you have a kid, like just anything about like, yeah. So, so I'm like, Oh, can we say like dispatched or took care of? Like, which is kind of like, obviously just sanitizing it. Like the same thing of like that. This crew has like killed so many people over the course of the show, but are good people. So I think little things like that just like stick out more as a parent. I was gonna, um, s- yeah. Uh, this I have a slight tangent, but uh, I've just gotten the horizon, the new Horizon Forbidden West game, and my kid occasionally has been watching me play it, and I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna kill humans with bows, but everything else is fine. Oh, okay. I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna shoot them with explosives because I somehow feel like that's gonna be less traumatizing for a toddler yeah, if like he watches me. Boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one of those yeah, things. I was- Today I was I was walking with Hattie and my kid and man my kid said what's that and I said oh that's a that was a groundhog oh that's a dead groundhog and like he says why did it kaboom over oh. he says kaboom for falling and I was like um well it so everything eventually dies oh. and and then he was like I want to see another water bottle in a tree and I was like yeah let's let's focus on that yeah. let's go f- oh. like, distraction like, the- yeah Ooh. yeah and then when we got home he told my wife he said we saw we saw we saw a groundhog that fell over because the wind knocked it over and I was like okay that's not at all what I said but he's like, making <laughs> sure. up his own you know what great his own euphemisms for death <laughs> so bless um so in general what other sort of podcasts and shows are you uh, a listener of or there's any particular media that you're a big fan of at the moment oh yeah um i love my favorite podcast is song exploder yes which is uh so it sounds like you know it um it's a show where musicians take apart their songs and you get to hear like demos and uh and all the instruments separated out and what they were thinking about when they made it and and what it means and it's short um i kind of come in and out of listening to mark maron's show wtf Mm, um i used to have to skip the intros when he was like so angsty and jealous of everyone and now he's pretty successful so he's happier so i can tolerate those but he does (laughs) tend to have good interviews if you care about the person they tend to like 
have something in it that you wouldn't have heard in other interviews. Mm. Um, cool. I do. I like the truth that show that I got to work with, and I know um, Jeremy has acted in a bunch of those too. Mm-hmm. But I, to be honest, I'm not the biggest podcast listener. Oh, new no, sorry, Noodle Loaf. Noodle Loaf is a children's podcast that I listen to probably more than any other now uh, because my kid loves it. And and he's even cheating on Mission to Zix and that he's been on that <laughs> podcast in addition because you can um, there's like an intro song where kids can like record themselves singing along and then they, the host puts a couple kids into it each time. So so in the car <laughs> he'll say, put on Noodle Loaf. He's like, no, the one I'm in. And, <laughs> and I'm like, oh boy, wow. wow. Backseat diva. Yeah, for TV. Yeah, like especially sci-fi, you know. Sci-fi stuff, yeah. Um, I mean, my favorite stuff is Star Wars. Oh, even though I torture Alden with the dumbest joke, which is pretending I confuse it with Star Trek, because hmm. <laughs> he's such a Star Wars fan. <laughs> a, it's not a funny joke, which I think is part of why I love it, in that it's it's not even going to make him laugh; it's just going to make him sad. Just talking about oh. Captain Picard's lightsaber skills or something just, like that. Just like, yeah. Actually, I, I should say I, I, I haven't done that anymore, as my love for Star Wars has actually grown because I definitely got more into Star Wars over the course of doing six because i wasn't really like a like i was pretty like mid-level or like sci-fi consumer where i would i would watch stuff if it had surfaced to the level of like oh this is the critics are saying this is good like ex machina or something like that where it's like us thinking i don't know if this thinking man that's a movie that like only men like so that's (laughs) maybe a dumb example but um anyway i my love of sci-fi has grown from making this show okay and so like i was not someone who would have necessarily like got cared about like see i gotta see the star like the new star wars movie right when it comes out Mm -hmm. and now i'm like oh i definitely want to do that um all right all right and but like before that like sci-fi movies that i that i really love despite not being like an obsessive um uh the abyss was a favorite sci-fi movie i always adored space balls yes um <laughs> yes of course the you know like i it, you know they're definitely a um an inspiration along magnificent with, um, hitchhiker hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy a very a very good movie mm, i've been meaning to buy a space balls the face mask for a while now <laughs> <laughs> no i did not see you playing with your dolls again sir <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i was never like a the uh, star trek like the only star trek i watched consistently was deep space nine which i really liked and i didn't even watch the whole thing (gasps) and yeah so i'm kind of like a disappointment in that oh Um, you know (laughs) yeah i came to zix i say like i came to zix from the audio and comedy sides and some most of the other people came from like the comedy and sci-fi let me tell you a couple things that might make you feel better uh, sure. I have still never seen the Luke, I am your father scene from Star Wars. <laughs> Good Lord. It's because you're afraid it's too scary? No, I just <laughs> missed it in the theaters and then never, and then decided that that was a thing now. <laughs> uh, also, have not watched The Mandalorian yet? <gasps> what? Oh my God. I know. Uh, also, have never seen Deep Space Nine. <laughs> oh my God. I am so disappointed in the both of you. Yeah. The Mandalorian's so fun. It's I like know. I realized a couple episodes in, I was like, hey, they stole our idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's like this guy goes planet to planet. The missions are not connected at all. He gets somewhere and he's like, I need something. And they're like, cool, but you got to do this other weird thing first. And he's like, okay. And <laughs> and then you like, it's totally episodic. So I think it's, it's so like, so there will be a so lawsuit like leisurely. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to win that one. Okay. We're, gonna, we're definitely going to win it. Yeah. We're, we're representing ourselves, which, um, always good against I think Disney. the right, the right move budget wise. Yep. <laughs> all right. So we have, uh, some questions from some listeners. If Great. you're up for that. Uh, the first one sure. is from, uh, Shane O'Connell. He asked, uh, can you walk us through the process for editing an episode? And also, where's my green chef? (laughs) Uh, That is a real question from an actual. You should be (laughs) sound designing right now. If you took time, the time that you spent writing that question should have been you recording Robert Doggy Jr. making skittering new skittering noises for Nermit Uh in your kitchen. Yes. So the process of editing an episode. Um, Sure, Shane, I'll tell you. Um, uh, the process is first syncing up all the tracks from all of our various sources. I tend to edit in a way that is super slow and probably not, it's definitely not the most efficient way, which is I go through completely linearly and I cut pretty micro from the beginning, 
even though often I'll end up cutting entire big chunks of things that I slaved over editing oh. because it's hard for me to tell if something works without getting like really into the nitty gritty of it. Whereas I believe like when Alden edits, I think he roughs out scenes way more and it's like thinks of the like will listen through entirely and then grab chunks and be like, here's what I think the overall like structure of the episode is. Mm -hmm. So I tend to go through pretty micro as I go um, because I feel like I will spend a lot of time trying to like fix something that doesn't quite work and fix it in the edit so that we can preserve it. But you want to give it a good shake. Yeah, like I really feel like, oh, I can, if I move this little bit from here, like this logical thing doesn't make sense because this is cut. But if I make, if I take the, like, <laughs> like just TLDR version as I do it very slowly. And there always comes a point where it's like I've gone through and there's a rough cut and I know like the hardest part is left because like it's too long, but it's not clear what should come out. Or there are just some narrative problems that like, yes, we can fix them in pickups, but even figuring out the structure, it's like this whole piece should come out, but that means blank is then missing. Uh, and so so there's kind of a point where it's like, okay, now I just have to do the really hard stuff. Um, and then there's a pass of just like going through and making sure that like everything actually makes logical sense and like there's not a reference to something that actually got cut. Yeah. Is is there anything that you like edited out that you personally would have preferred, like really like that hurt you not to have in? Um, I mean, well, so the next process is I will send it to Alden and he'll send back notes and some so and the vice versa. If if he's edited, I'll send back notes on a rough cut. And often those things are like, I think we should cut this. And that's that's more the thing where I'm like, oh, you're probably right, but I'd love it. And, you know, it's Alden saying, like, it truly makes no sense. And I'm like, yeah, but the show is very dumb. <laughs> and um, it's so, and so good, like, though. some of those, yeah, and those go both ways where I'm like, I'm sorry, I think we got to lose this. Or, like, or if there's just, like, the tiniest chance someone will be offended, uh, like, we'll, we'll cut something where it's like, I think this is funny, but it's not worth it. It's not worth it if it makes, like, one person feel bad. So, yeah. um, whereas, like, we knew the intention and we know, like, what, where the joke is pointing out so we'll cut it just to be safe on that front which is always the right choice but sometimes you could be like but what if no one was offended and it's funny but um but i i more often i listen to the episodes and they come out and i'm like should have cut that oh should have cut that. not and it's not only not like a bit but it's just where it, like i can hear lulls so much more once it's sound designed oh so you're saying like, shane ruined yeah. it is what you're saying <laughs> Yeah, Shane, stop with your beautiful design. <laughs> when it sounds shitty, nobody notices that it's long. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's just the kind of thing where, like, when something is like polished, you notice every word more mm. and every little bit. And it's also just like hearing it when I'm not sitting in front of Pro Tools, seeing every cut go by. You can hear a bit where, like, oh, that actually could have all been lifted out. It's that's all repetitive. But then it maybe would have been the flow would have been different. So. Um, <laughs> Sometimes I, I would like write to Alden and be like, oh, this I've heard like five minutes we could have cut. And he's like, no, it's supposed to be like loose. Like we don't want it to sound scripted. So but yeah, that's sort of like Monday morning quarterbacking, <laughs> if that's what if that's what that term means. <laughs> I was going to say, didn't you guys get nominated for a scripted podcast? award? <laughs> yeah, I think that they just didn't have a category called fiction. I think that they didn't think anyone would be stupid enough to make a show this way. <laughs> they were wrong. Uh, yeah, we lost a Wolverine. Oh. Rude. Yeah, so what was your favorite episode that you've edited? I mean, one that I remember and just loving it is um the Marf episode. Mm. Because oh, I think yeah. like s somehow in the room, like being in it, like I didn't quite notice how good it was while we recorded it. And then it was like in the edit where I was like, I was like, this is awesome. And, and Alden was like, yeah, that was a fun one. You think it's really going to be? And I was like, no, this is going to, this is like a solid episode. It's so funny so that was fun because so, like because the reverse is worse where you're like oh i thought oh, this one's gonna take a little more to, to cut than i thought because i was having such a good time recording it so that that was really fun to edit i mean the ones where it's just like you're just figuring like it's all pretty golden and there's no structural issues and you're just kind of figuring out what makes it the best like 45 minutes or whatever those are fun so that question was uh from plint dm oh cool yeah i just want to make sure Go attribute properly. <laughs> what uh, this question is from Emily. Uh, what's your favorite bit to add into a show you do? Like you know how like the friends and Dave Matthews bands references come in and stuff like that. <laughs> oh man, 
That's a good question. Um, it's interesting. I feel like somehow Nermit isn't the one to do those that often. That might just be because I'm not as quick <laughs> as the people who remember <laughs> all the bits that are ongoing. <laughs> do you wish there were more or less Dave Matthews references, yeah. basically? Oh, oh, well, okay, yeah. I, there can never be enough of those okay, for me. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think particularly getting to look at the Discord at the people who hate those so much. Um <laughs> Torturing, torturing I mean, the Discord has become the main purpose of the yep. show. Yeah, I love, I love the Dave Matthews stuff. I loved that Plex. We had put that out, bonus content out that was like a sleep tape, and Plex was just very calmly reading Dave Matthews lyrics. When we talk about uh, like dream guests, Shane always brings up Dave Matthews. He's like, I think we could get him, get him for a little cameo. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. I feel like I need to listen to more Dave Matthews just so I get more of the references. That's see, that's that's what we're trying to do is make people have to do Let's that. Also in the pocket of big Dave Matthews. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are. We are. I mean, look, you mentioned torturing the Discord. Uh, what what brought about the uh, you know the Orpa moment? <laughs> Nini specifically wanted to know this. <laughs> Literally just trying. To, the funniest thing is that I I think the episode was maybe late at that point, which was very rare at that then, as opposed to now where um, we are like coming out when it comes out. And so I I think I literally logged on to be like, I will, I want to do something that could entertain people while they wait. <laughs> um, like, so I was trying to do something nice. <laughs> And I literally was just like, this is fun trivia. And it ended up with me accidentally trolling everyone into a <laughs> scandal. Um, just accidental trolling. And for anyone listening who doesn't know what that was, I asked three pieces of trivia. What is this celebrity's actual like given name? Mike, what is Michael Keaton's given name? Michael Douglas. What is Michael <laughs> J. Fox's given name? Michael A. Fox. And what is Oprah Winfrey's given name? Um, which I... I think I also like then I think I was at work. And so like I went into a long meeting. So it seemed like and I didn't answer. And it seemed like I was just like torturing people to not answer. But I was actually just in a work meeting. And then I eventually answered it, which her given name was Orpa Winfrey. And my favorite thing is that I think so many people had been like they were so mentally anguished at this point that they actually read it as Oprah. So they thought that the question was what was Oprah Winfrey's given name and the answer is Oprah Winfrey. And so that felt even more cruel. Um, it reminded me of one of my favorite Trivial Pursuit questions, which is how many testicles did Hitler have? And the answer is two. Um, and in any case, so I felt both amazed at how angry it made everyone because I was just trying. But I think also most people enjoyed how angry it made them. Um, I mean... And I think it's been called Orpagate. Oh. not mistaken it should um i, I still have it marked yeah. in my calendar so <laughs> yeah yeah or nev yeah never forget <laughs> or we'll live in our minds forever <laughs> uh just to bring everyone down you've announced the the end of the show um, yes. so would you like to tell us about how that decision came about yeah we had talked at the end of season three and saying like hey how are you guys feeling like do you is everyone still excited to keep doing this do we want like three felt like a you could like you know it's a nice number in terms of like yeah that was that, sh that show that had three seasons and and at that point everyone was game to keep going and then season mm -hmm. f and same with um season four i think because that was the season when the pandemic started and i think making the show was at least for me and i think for a lot of people like it felt like this lifeline to be able to keep doing something that we had done before and have a creative outlet when you couldn't see anyone and couldn't oh, perform yeah. live. Um, and so that was felt really important. And I don't know, I certainly didn't want to stop after four meant knowing that like, oh, it's not like you can pick up other social creative performance projects at this point. But with five, it, it's interesting because it wasn't, it wasn't like a, with ending at five, it, there wasn't some big like, there wasn't some huge like the, it has to be now because or someone felt okay. very strongly about it or anyone being like, but I want to keep going. We we're all just kind of like, yeah, that feels right. Mm. It feels like and I think if anything in terms of like an actual reason is just the like it's become harder to make the show as all of our personal and work commitments get more extreme. Like when we first started making the pilots, it'll it'll end up being like five and a half years. So it's like 
none of us had kids. Like several of us weren't married who we are married now. <laughs> Lots um, has changed. And, and <laughs> yeah, and just like and just like stamina of like you, you know, I used to edit when we were doing the show weekly, like I would just stay up editing until like three in the morning and then go to work. And wow. that's not as easy and then um you know i think with shane it's like when we got when we went to bi-weekly like he's like that that is just like such an insane amount of work to do week after week and so even doing it bi-weekly it's like okay if the show had been 10 times as popular or maybe even five times as popular just in terms of like revenue and it's like okay well we could make this really like a few of our full-time job where we yada yada yeah. um there maybe would have been a slightly different calculus and don't get me wrong it's more popular than we dared to hope it would be <laughs> um it's not like oh i wish this had succeeded or something because it succeeded beyond anything we imagined but in terms of continuing to do it at this level of quality particularly the sound design which i don't even want to know how many hours <laughs> like oh, wow. I, it's, I, I think that there's probably definitely like three digit episodes um no. you know in terms of the number of hours shane's putting in on these yeah. and our record and because it's remote like we we're, we're getting we've become more ambitious about the story like if you listen to some season one episodes i feel we're all proud of that the show started strong but like some of those are just like they're people talking in one space mm-hmm. and the like level of lore and you know, we used to maybe pick up a line here or there. We do like a full recording session of pickups for every episode now wow. um, mm. because we care like there's way more like lore to keep in order and hmm. more narrative stuff to to work out. Oof. And we just are like way more particular about what we want it to be. And, and at this point where it's sort of wrapping up. So, yeah. Speaking of, are you, are you worried about tying up any loose story ends? I mean, um not worried per se i think there's this balance of trying to have it feel satisfying satisfying and surprising and not dutiful mm-hmm. ideally i want like in the last episode sort of stuff that like wait what you're adding that now oh. <laughs> like so that it's more about like not not that it's like oh we need to add a thing but more that like we're still discovering stuff so we tie up enough that feels good but not that it feels like a checklist and that it feels like there's enough action going on that you just are, i want the last episodes to feel like oh yeah that was a great episode of mission to zix mm-hmm. um as much as like that felt like it answered everything i mm-hmm. i wanted but yeah i think that um that my worry would be like like oh we oh we could have easily oh. put that in and we didn't we just totally spaced out oh <laughs> shit but then we could always just put it in since we have now well, yeah we have now retconned one episode it's shameful <laughs> how emotional has it been recording the last couple of episodes um it's been this last this like last session when we started the first recording of 520 we were kind of like whoa we just hit record on our on on like five twenty, mm-hmm. and so that that was emotional. I think I honestly don't think it's gonna quite hit us till it's done. I can imagine, you know, like especially for the those of us when post, it takes a, it's it's so much of our time still that it's definitely gonna be this void of like what am what am I what should I do with it now <laughs> that I don't have that to do? So I'm trying to sort of like uh, keep space for just like it's okay that that'll be sad. And also to think about, like, maybe I should think about having a couple little projects lined up that I'm working on just so that I'm not wallowing. Because I would get depressed even between seasons just of, like, not having the the sort of feeling of, like, purpose of, like, I got to edit that. And I got, like, this is coming out. Um, so after each season, I'd be, like, um, yeah, postseason, like, emotional slump. So I'm prepared for that to be even worse yeah. especially because they said they're well, everyone's doing a podcast and everyone's invited but me to do the next one <laughs> oh so that feels like it and they said it's just like uh it wasn't about anything it's just they don't like me so oh yeah um, i don't know that I, I so i'm not going to read too much into it but uh we all happened yeah. to know each other separately and we <laughs> yeah it was like uh when that episode of the office where like everyone from improv class yeah. is is like well no we're all going there we separately, all have a mutual friend we all have plans <laughs> to go to this one place separately but you're not and yeah uh, those questions were from max there you go max those answers were for you alone Only you mm-hmm. we will send you Only. specifically a transcript of this that has this no uh <laughs> so uh this question is from zoe and i think this is on like pretty much everyone's minds is what's Mm -hmm. next (laughs) 
we don't know. We haven't been pitching anything to each other yet. I think we're going to like, I think we're just going to let this end. I mean, we do plan to do live shows like here and there because even after it's done and can be like, this is a lost season four or whatever, um, just because that's a, it's a totally different thing to just be able to show up and, and do that than putting out episodes. But in terms of other stuff, no idea. Winston pitched one idea a while back that I'll keep a secret because hmm. if we do it, if we do it, I wouldn't want it to be, I'd want it to be a surprise. And, but I, I, I'd be surprised if we're like, oh man, I'm glad that's over. Like, <laughs> like, and, and like, I, I mean, I think, I mean, there's this one talk of like, okay, if we do something else, we can figure out something that's just like a little easier. And, <laughs> and I just don't know that it's in any of our DNA to be like, yeah, let's do an ease <laughs> because we would have never made this show. Um, if that was our, our, uh, our druthers. So yeah, totally TBD. Um, and our final question, this is from uh, sure. Tom Tom Fooleries. Bermafall Nelodies 2, when? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Speaking of things oh. that are too hard to do. <laughs> Bermafall Nelodies 2. I mean, uh, yeah. We'll <laughs> or, or maybe just the documentary behind the music. <laughs> I know. I feel so, I feel so embarrassed because I'm definitely the worst singer of the Zix crew. Like Winston and particularly like Winston and Jeremy and Alden can all sing and Mujan too. And I think Allie, I don't, I think Allie can sing better than me, which is not saying that much, but it is ridiculous that I voiced the character that got a full length album. <laughs> um, Shane is always very nice and is like, no, no, like you have like, there's some like lead singer vibes. He's like, you don't really sing notes, but <laughs> like, and, and, and you he really feel the music, even that. though it's not music. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like he, he I truly believes that uh, that Bermit has some stuff. But I'm just like, those songs are so Shane. I do feel like I'm skilled at coming up with lyrics and rhymes, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. mostly just for my son, because he'll name a song that doesn't exist, and then I get to make it up. Hey. But um, like, sing sing Otto and Pato. And I'm like, oh, yes, oh, I boy. <laughs> that, Yeah, this is going to be Thankfully, my kid likes all it out, so I could just put that on. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do feel like I, I'm glad we got to do that musical episode to show mm. off like Jeremy and, and briefly uh, Winston. And then, you know, of course, most people are featured slightly on the Burnerful Nelodies. Yeah. Um, hmm. But I but I feel like, no, we got like <laughs> the other cast members need to sing the ones who know how <laughs> if we do another album. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty much all the questions and time we have. Wow. Uh, so, so I just got to say, like, we don't have quite enough time to give Shane the Green Chef code. Oh, no. Oh, well, no. Yeah, no, we, uh, we've missed it. Uh, I, so, but is there oh, anything man. you'd like to plug in lieu of that? Um, Green Chef, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, it's one of the top, one of my top 10 favorite meal kits. Um, <laughs> no, just, um, you know, keep, keep tuned into these last episodes. And um, I want to plug the Zix fan cast because because oh, what's um, that? Be, uh, it's um, it's run by well, one of them isn't even American, so <laughs> just take that if however you want. Wow, we're well, already um, off board. <laughs> you're not on board. Uh oh, I got bad news for you. Bud. Uh oh. Um, you, uh, no, I just want to say thanks for it's. It's really cool that you guys do this show about the show. It's it's something that makes us feel like it makes our show feel more real and that that someone would bother to do this so um thank you for for uh thanks for making your show and thanks for inviting me to be on it well thank you Aww. thank you and thank you for making us not just feel like a bunch of like podcast stalkers because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean le legitimately we can't do this without the show being as good as it is so oh well thank you yeah well we are in good company when we cold email people we don't know saying like hey so do you want to guest on this thing you don't have to listen to it you don't have to like <laughs> oh, so, no yeah. please don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> beck you want to take us out yeah so um yeah just to finish up uh thank you to ismay Houston for doing our editing you can find us on twitter at zix fancast you can find us on facebook facebook.com forward slash zix fancast email us zix fancast at gmail.com um our patreon is patreon.com forward slash jtfa or uh bit.ly forward slash thank you seth uh thank you to mission to zix <laughs> just for this episode yeah. <laughs> for permissions and we have a discord come talk to us on the discord yeah, that's bit.ly forward slash zixcord and our new theme is by mr b and i guess uh well thank you again my pleasure <laughs> uh and toot, 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 toot. Toot.
Shoot, shoot.